reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we're running it back. We got Entertainer and NYG Daily, Chris and Weiss, on the podcast. Very excited. I'm not going to waste too much time talking, getting into it. Um, but we we hope they have him on next week. Justin, how are you? And are you excited for our watch party volume two at Billy's in the Bronx? I am even more excited for this because obviously there's a little worry just from our perspective on oh, can we get everybody to the event? You know, is the game even going to be good? You know, what's the presentation going to be like? Is the stream going to go okay? Ba, 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 ba. I am so excited for our watch party. Part two, Billy's Sports Bar in the Bronx. Uh, I I know Billy's is like famous, but I like texted Joe's McFly, who you know you know Joe's McFly, John Boy Media. You know he's a you know big Yankee guy. I said, is this like a famous place? And he's like, yeah, it's it's like legit. So it's kind of a cool moment that Billy's Sports Bar is like, yeah, you know we 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 saw what happened last weekend. We want that. We want to be part of it. So and I think you should be. You should want to be part of it, too, and we hope you can be part of it. Billy Sports Bar in the Bronx, Saturday night. You're going to want to be there. The link is in the description to buy your tickets, and guess what? Get them. Buy because them. They, buy they, them. Do it. Yeah, get them, because they sold out quick last time and had a lot of people messaging me, and I felt really, really bad not being able to get people tickets. So if you see the link, man, buy it, because they will go out soon. They went out. They sold out way quicker than we thought last time. Hell, I'm worried that this they'll be sold out by the time we – this podcast is out, um, and we're bigger doing- space. We're moving to we're moving to a bigger space, which is awesome. But, but get them doesn't matter. Get yeah, they're they they are going to sell out. They sold out last time, so get get them. And we really want you guys to come there. It's, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's you know it's fun when you know you get me to travel to New York twice uh, in two weeks. So yeah, so make make sure to make sure to get them. Link in the screen, and they're only twenty bucks. Um, you know, come have a good time. Uh, it's it's gonna be fun, and we're gonna win. Let's win some games. Um, we'll we'll announce patrons on the Friday podcast. Yep. You know, we we spent so much time with Chris and Weiss. Um, so what we got a lot. So if you signed up, we did not forget you. Um, all right, Justin, let's let's kick it to Chris, the entertainer. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we're running it back, and we got our boy Chris, the entertainer. We said, "Hey, let's let's talk again next week." We said that last week. Well, we're talking again. We're talking Giants, and we're talking about playoffs football. Chris, how you doing, my man? Dude, how am I doing? Uh, I'm on cloud nine. Biggest win the New York Giants have had since their last Super Bowl, our last playoff win we've had since our last Super Bowl run. So, uh, I'm amazing, and I'm gonna make this promise. Hopefully, we make this promise to each other right now. We got to keep the good luck going. If we win again, 
We're doing this again next week. We'll recap this game, talk mm-hmm. about the NFC Championship game, but super excited to be back. Um, there's a lot to really be excited about coming out of this Minnesota game and looking ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's, you know, where this is coming out on Wednesday, we're recording a Tuesday night, obviously, and we were talking pre-show. It's like, I'm still on the Vikings, but we got a, we got a whole Eagles like playoff game to go to. Part of me saw it. I saw Eagles fans and Giants fans going back and forth on Twitter today, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. if we beat you guys, like you guys might have to kill us because we are never going to shut up if we beat you guys in the playoffs. <laughs> um, and I don't care if people pull up, point at the 49ers, whatever, 9-8. and eight. It's hard to beat a team three times. Not impossible. 100%. But it is hard. Chris, are you a big fan of history? Am I? Yeah. You like a little history, right? Yeah. 2011 Giants, mm-hmm. eight and a half point underdogs in, the, in mm-hmm. a divisional round to a team they lost to in the regular season, mm-hmm. and a win would send them to San Fran. Mm-hmm. 2022, the mm-hmm. Giants are seven and a half point underdogs to a team they lost to in the regular season, and a win might send them to San Francisco. Let's get a little f- stat debate like last week, Justin. Are you feeling something, Chris? I'm feeling a stat war coming. I'm going to go a little bit further back in history. You went to Ooh. 2011. I'm going to yeah. send this back to 2007. Love it. When we were in the divisional round, and we played a team that beat us twice in the regular season in the divisional round against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, who, who incidentally, like the Philadelphia Eagles, was the number one seed in the NFC. You know what they were favored by? Seven and a half. Wow. Even better. Even better. And to go to your point about um, how it's hard to beat a team three times in a, in a regular season, I looked that up. So I do have some stats. I lied about it before the podcast. Oh, you you, I, you I, bamboozled I, me. You do have <laughs> stats. Yes. So in the history of football, actually one of my subscribers told me this, so that's how I know it. In the history of football, it has happened 24 times in the postseason where a team that swept the, you know, the opposition played one another in the regular season. Their record is 15 and nine in terms of the teams that swept the other team. And you may say, well, that's, you know, I mean, 15 and nine, that's still not in our favor. But when you think about it, that means that it was a combined 48-0 record. They swept those guys in the regular season and in the postseason, 15-9. and nine. It's a lot closer. So, it's a lot closer. And I look at our coaching staff. Brian Dable's had time to prepare against this team. He knows Jalen Hurts. Obviously, coached him at Alabama. We've seen two games against these guys. We showed him nothing the last time around because we're playing all of our backups. And we're hot. So, I'm not saying we're going to win, but I think we got a decent shot. I think we're going to keep this game close, guys. I, I'm pumped for it. I want to talk about something that we talked about a lot last week, and that is number 26, Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, I because we asked you, uh, like, outside of Daniel Jones, and it ended up being Daniel Jones, who's the player that we're going to be really, like, proud of and talking about on on Monday? And on the offensive side, it's, I think, I, I kind of was happier with Saquon than Hodgins. Um, and I want to talk about why guys like Hodgins could be open. And on the defensive side, obviously, Dexter Lawrence. But, man, so I, 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 the film review will should be out in a couple hours by the time people are listening to this. Saquon was occupying defenders. Like, we talked about how the Vikings were going to be focusing on Saquon, those little swing passes are coming out of the backfield. Well, they were. And we talked about, like, Zig, you know, running Saquon on the inside, like, pass routes. Well, no, they were just bringing him in there, and it was leaving guys like Richie James open, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins open, and then they were able to get Saquon involved, man. Like, uh, we said, we talked about it last week. It's like, 
I want Saquon to be really efficient and be a superstar when he has the ball in hands. I don't need them to have 25 touches. And that's what he did. I mean, he averaged eight yards every time he touched the ball. Um, and it seemed like every, seemed like damn near every time he touched the ball, he did something great. You know, whether it was the first touchdown of the game, you know, the five yard run, the five yard touchdown run, man, he just ran over Dalvin Thomas and drove his leg three yards, yeah, you know, make, making other guys miss and just having the burst when he did catch the ball to turn those into 10, 15, 20 yard gains. Like, man, he, we asked, like I said, we, we need superstar Saquon out of you. And we, it wasn't some too hard, 200 yard game, but it, it, it sure looked like a superstar out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and what about the double spin move when he had like the seventeen yard oh, run? Nuts! I somehow um, forgot about that until I went and rewatched it Monday morning. I was like, I forgot about how sick this play was. The guy was going full speed. Full, it wasn't like he stopped and spun. He's going full speed and he he spins, then he spins again. Like you saw, it, he put it on full display. He caught two swing passes where he just bowled over the uh, defender. Of course, the highlight play was the Kenny Galladay block on one of those. Um, and then the other thing, I think Justin talked about it with me last week. I think he brought up this stat, or maybe you did. I can't recall who said it. Mm, stats. Um, this year, Saquon Barkley, in terms of, or maybe it was another podcast I was on. Maybe it wasn't yours. I can't recall. But regardless, I'm sure you guys know it. Um, this year, Saquon Barkley, when he does catch the ball, he's not averaging a lot per catch. It's been, it's been a lot of, you know, three, four, five-yard catches, especially in recent history. He averaged almost 12 yards a catch this game, um, which was really, uh, really encouraging. And and the play calling, guys. And I, the, and the other thing, you're talking about, I, I and I didn't watch the film like you did, but you talk about how Barkley was bringing attention on the outside with those swing passes. We were this close from that Statue of Liberty play working because the defenders were all looking at Saquon Barkley when he went out for the swing pass. And then Daniel Jones with the behind-the-back handoff if Breida breaks that one tackle, he's going in for six. Um, and Daniel Jones looks so smooth on that handoff. You I know, was and that's so something, excited when I saw that play. That's something too, Chris, where you talk about Breida and Saquon being on the field at the same time. You would think, oh, you know, you want to put more receivers on the field. You know, in terms of spacing out the offense, that's what Dable likes to run, 11 personnel. You know, even when you have Daniel Bellinger out there, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of those passing situations, Daniel Bellinger doesn't have his hand in the dirt. He's lined out wide. So, right. You know, you would think Dable spread it out, whatever. So this 22 or 21 personnel, excuse me, with two running backs on the field, usually 21 personnel, you have a fullback out there. You know, in, in years past, 22, 21 personnel is Elijah Penny, Saquon Barkley, and a tight end. You know, this year, it's Saquon Barkley either out wide, Matt Breed in the backfield, or vice versa. Where you have Breed in the backfield and then Saquon Barkley out wide and then doing, you know, doing some pre-snap motion, motion at the snap. They ran pre-snap motion slash motion at the snap on 30% of the snaps wow. this past Sunday. And that another stat, Chris. I I got some for you. <laughs> they ran it thirty percent of the time, motion at the snap, and that was like the highest of the entire season. They were averaging like sixteen percent, so they ran it twice their average wow. this past game, and that was something that I loved. You know, usually like those plays where you get some sort of misdirection going, where you, teams are watching what Saquon Barkley's doing, it opens up things for other people like Matt Breida. Well, and and it opened up some for. And it opened up some for Barkley. The 28 yard yes. touchdown run. There was motion going both ways. Yep. Um, well, yeah, that was Brita. That was Brita going it was in motion. Brita, and I think Bellinger the linebackers and the linebackers, too. linebackers are just sitting and they're standing, they're watching, and they're not reacting, they're not flowing. So it's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, I mean, he he like he had gravity around him where it was like the, wherever he moved, the defense you know followed. Um, and it left guy even like the first pass of the game, Richie James wide open. So how's Richie James wide open? It's like they're paying attention to Saquon Barkley. Uh, on the on the little swing route um so awesome stuff from him now daniel jones man we talked about like we're just we think this cat's gonna show up right well 
I think he did even more than what we expected. him. He played a, a perfect game um, in this game. Like I, I went, like I said, you know, I do the, I watched, there was one play in the entire game where I was like, I wish he would have done this. One play in the entire game where I thought he could have done something different. And now, now again, the, the Vikings defense, the Vikings defense is not the reason that they won so many games, but they did win in a, sh- a shootout, right? Like the Vikings offense played really well and the Giants defense didn't yeah, play did. well. Yeah. Now we go against the Eagles uh, defense that is a lot better, has a big front four, uh, front four. And But the way Daniel Jones just has command of this offense, Chris, I just think he's going to will his way. Like, I, I don't know how well, you know, I don't know how the defense is going to do, but I'm like very confident that Daniel Jones is going to will this Giants offense to get in the 20s at least. Yeah, listen, uh, the way Daniel Jones is playing right now, and I don't care if it's against Minnesota. I watched Justin Herbert the week before we played Minnesota throw two turnovers, and he couldn't score a touchdown against them uh, the the week before we played Minnesota when Daniel Jones looked terrific in the regular season. So, uh, Or was that against the Colts, rather? No, I think it was against Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. But no, it was the Colts. It was the Colts. But regardless, regardless, um, the way that he's played uh, the last two – four weeks, Daniel Jones, he's looked like a completely different quarterback. He's looked more confident. Do I think he's going to throw for 300 yards and run for 75 or whatever he ran for against the Eagles? Probably not. It's not in a dome. They got a much better defense, but do I think he's going to make plays? Absolutely. And, and the thing that I really liked about Jones, how decisive he was, not just with throwing the ball, but running the ball. When he saw the hole, he just went for it. Um, 17 carries, which I think was a record by a quarterback in the playoffs. Um, he was good. He was – he – is a hot take, guys. He was better than I think I've ever seen Eli. Like, that's how good he was in that game. Well, it's the rushing part of his game that brings the element to, number one, it's modern. it's modern-day football. You know, the way that quarterbacks are running now, not just scrambling, you know, like like Mike Vick, for example, not just scrambling from dropping back to pass, but also the design runs. That's where it brings in that extra element of this is how you can put yards up. This is how you can get first downs. This is how you can get explosive plays. That's what sets Daniel Jones apart from any quarterback that the Giants have ever had in their franchise history. And he just has, like like you said, Chris, like where it's like he knows when to run. He has total command of the offense. Like he knows when, hey, I got to sit in here and hang in there and deliver this throw on the crosser. Like he's seeing what the defense is doing. And he's like, okay, Neil's getting beat around the corner. Hang in here. Ain't going to work. I'm going to get up and move. And that led to him having, you know, all those rushing yards. Um, and also, I kind of hate that his his – Rushing totals are 17 for 78. It's really 13 for 82, but he had four kneel downs. Like, it should look uh, a lot sexier than 17 for 82. Um, and then it leads to, guess what? Hodgins is on a curl route. He's scrambling. Some dude, you know, bites on that. And he throws the Hodgins, and Hodgins has a 30-yard gain. And, like, the confidence he's playing with. the Like, the pump fake five yards down the line, like, past the line of scrimmage. Like, that's just playing with some confidence there. And I think he's playing the most confident he's ever played. Like, ever played. This oh, team is totally bought into him. He's bought into everything. And they've put their offense in his hands. Um, And I, I want to kick it to you, but I'm on this, like, monologue right no, now. No, no, you go. You go. I'm loving I th- it. I think mine and Justin's best podcast of the year was the recap of the commander's tie. Because we talked about this offense has been figured out. Like, they did some great stuff. The play action, the trying to run the ball 25 times a game, it has been figured out. Teams are stacking the box, and they are running run blitzes versus us. And the play action, they are not biting on it. They're just not, and we're running it out of downs. Well, since then, 
they have the Eagles game. They didn't really put it in his hands, but the Eagles game is like a wash. But since then, they are averaging twenty five point six points per game, and I'll, I'll find out where that would rank. But like you know, you have the thirty one point game versus the Vikings, thirty one versus the Colts. You know the the Viking uh, the other the regular season Vikings game. They've put the offense in Daniel Jones' hands. They've stopped trying to get every you know stop trying to squeeze out every single carry touch you could get for Saquon Barkley and involving him in the receiving game like he's got you know he wasn't really involved in the receiving game much before that and it's we've gotten the best version of the Giants and Hodgins addition is a big part of that I mean there's a lot of key factors but at the end of the day the biggest thing is they've put the offense in Daniel Jones hands especially on first down because we could talk about how oh the all line can't block and receivers can't catch well guess what they can't block for Saquon either, and we're getting put in second and 12, second and 13s. What Daniel Jones could do when the offensive line screwed, he can scramble. He can throw it away. He can throw a quick pass on first down, and he's just had total command of the offense since. So, Chris, let me just f- phrase it this way because you're, you know, we we had like a, I call it a mini debate, not like a debate. I, li- I like mini debates. We had a, we had a mini debate on, you know, kind of Saquon Barkley not having enough rushing attempts and, oh, yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the work in the receiving game can, you know, bypass that. And also the explosive running plays like Saquon Barkley can just be more efficient with his touches. So knowing and seeing how the last couple weeks, basically since that Washington tie, the yeah. Giants have thrown the ball more on early downs, put the offense in Daniel Jones's hands. How is your perception on this Giants offense and what you expect and what you want to see out of them change over the last couple weeks since we've put the offense more in Daniel Jones's hands instead of putting it in Saquon Barkley's belly and kind of running him, running him, running him 20 plus attempts? Yeah, I mean, this is what I always envisioned, what I wanted the offense to eventually be. Under Dable just, specifically, right? Yeah, under Dable specifically. Yeah. I just didn't think we were there yet to, to, to go full throttle and you've now started to see it. Now, we did have 30 carries as opposed to 35 throws, so it was about what I thought it would be. I think I said 40, 50, 55, yeah. 45, but 17 were Jones. You forget uh, about Daniel Jones running the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And I think 13, like Bobby said, so really only 13. But still, we ran the ball a decent amount as opposed to the throw, but it was Jones. It wasn't Barkley. And when they did use Barkley, it was splash plays. And listen, if it's working, you go with it. Now, are they going to be able to do this against the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll see. I mean, it's not in a dome. It's it's a much tougher defense. So we'll see. They got a really good secondary. But listen, if it's working, you go with it. And this is eventually where I want the New York Giants to be. And this is what I expect this offense to be at the start of next season. Mm. Um, yep. Especially, if, you know, when Jones is back. It's not even if anymore. When mm. Jones is back um, in this offense with Barkley, with all these players. And to go back to Bobby's point, I actually looked it up because he said um, about the points per game. I think you said 25.6 points. Yeah. So that that would be eighth in the NFL, only behind Cincinnati, Detroit, San Francisco, Dallas, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and, and uh, Kansas City. And in the New York Giants' last three games, they're averaging 28.3 points a game. And in their last two games, they've scored over 30 with the offense, which is something they have not done since Pat Shermer. They had a 30-point game with Judge, but a, t- but a defensive touchdown. So yeah. their last two games with Jones, they've scored over 30 points, something they have not done since Pat Shermer. It's beautiful, Dang. man. They're they're just putting they're putting trust in him to let it do it. But now we got Philadelphia, man. How are you feeling about this game? Uh, obviously, I'm not putting it. So my mind with the third string, the second and third stringer game a couple weeks ago, is that definitely instilled some confidence. And this Eagles team doesn't look the same. But I am still like this Eagles team is really really good, and yeah. I like we can't expect the offense to be perfect like we were this game. Like you got to get some some bounces that, you know, break your way. Um, and the defense has to just flat out be better than what they were this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think defense is going to be better. I do. I think the defense is going to be better. I don't think it's going to be like a shutout performance at all. Uh, the Eagles definitely got firepower. We'll see what Hurts looks like. I'm going to go with the assumption going in that he's going to be himself. He's going to put his body on the line. He's going to do what he has to do with his legs. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, maybe the weather conditions aren't great. It's at night, January. Maybe it's windy. It's not in a dome. It's not ideal conditions. Maybe that plays a little bit of a factor. But it's going to be tough. I mean, it's kind of pick your poison with the Eagles, right? Because we can't do what we did against the Vikings. Because against the Vikings, we double cover Justin Jefferson the entire time. If you do that against Jalen Hurts and you have your back to the, the quarterback, he's going to just – it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. He's going to get eight yards, nine yards. He's just going to run all over you. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's kind of a tough decision for the New York Giants. You're going to have to spy Hurts. The question is, do you do it – from start to finish on the drives, or do you wait until they get inside the 20? Because if you do it from start to finish, then they may hit you with a huge play over the top with a guy like A.J. Brown, with a guy like Devontae Smith. When it gets condensed inside the 20, maybe that's when you spy him and don't let him kill, kill with your legs. But it's pick your poison with this team. They got weapons all over the field. We know that there's parts of our defense, the linebacking court specifically, where we're very limited. So it's not going to be easy. And on the other side, yeah, they got, they got good cornerbacks and you know, we don't have the most talented wide receivers, even though I am definitely on the Isaiah, um, the Isaiah Hodgins train at this point. That guy's terrific. Um, and I, at this point, is it crazy for me to say that I think Hodgins is a number two wide receiver, or he could be at least a number two wide receiver? If you have a really good wide receiver one. I agree. You have to have an elite one. Yes. Um, You know. Definitely like, at like least I'm, a three, though, right? Definitely at least a three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. With, we, we actually talk on the – People haven't heard this part. We do talk about Slayton and how it's just like a, it's just such a weird case with him where it's like, we absolutely need him. He's a huge weapon, but it's like, he can't be trusted. Um, which to go, which to go, you just made me think about that. I mean, real quick, I meant to bring that up. You brought up Darius Slayton. Another sign about this team this year that is so much better than in years past. Be honest with yourself. If you listen to this, you guys, in years past, we lose that football game. Darius Slayton drops a pass. We lose the game. But the defense picked us up. We've seen it time and time and time again. We're in the past where Evan Ingram drops a ball against the Eagles. Slayton drops a ball against uh, Washington. The the, the the team falls apart. Yep. This game, the defense picked him up. So, And we've seen that all year. You know, one side helps the other. So it's been great. And you know what gives me some more hope than the the Week 18 game versus the Eagles? If we didn't have a Dorian McKinney in that game, man, we didn't. And that makes a huge difference against a team like the Eagles because – it with the Giants, it's like, hey, we can at least shut down one guy with the Dory. And AJ Brown is great. He ain't Justin Jefferson, not by no. not not even close. And that's not a knock on AJ Brown. I and I can even see them putting a Dory on Devontae Smith because Smith is I'll kind of the Moreau. chain. Yeah, put him on. Put, put, put in the like he's the, their chain mover. You know, he's the quicker guy. Um, and then no McKinney. Like you know, you can lock up McKinney on tight ends. Uh. I think that makes a huge difference. And you may look at that score and say 48-22. I look at it and say three drives got extended because those two guys weren't on the field. Whether it's the Julian Love whiff on the fourth down, the first drive of the game, they converted three different third downs. Uh, those are the type of things. And then once the game gets out of hand, it gets out of hand, you know. Um, those are that's what I look at. Is like those guys do those guys erase twenty five points from the game? No, but they can end three drives and then that erases the points. Yeah, and Daniel Jones is playing at another level. That changes things too. He's not yes. the same quarterback he was when we played. Philly Saquon basically took that game off, and he's looked a lot better and fresher since then. Um, Hodgins, you know, there's, there's more. Yeah, there's more. There's more trust in Hodgins. Um, now, 
the thing that still worries me is Evan Neal um, and the interior. Like the interior can do the the Vikings defensive line is not great pass rushers on the inside. Like Dalvin, great player, not a great pass rusher. Harrison Phillips, uh, not a great pass rusher. Where they have just pass rushers all over the board. Um, so th- then they have like seventy two sacks or something this year or something like that. Insane. They have four ten plus sack guys. You want to know who's fit? Who who didn't make it? Fletcher Cox, who's fifth. Like they're they're nuts up front. That's what worries me because yeah. yeah. that's the type of stuff that wins in the playoffs. And they have um, depth too, where it's you know Jordan Davis will come off the field and other guys will go on and you know there'll be a guy where it's like, well, why isn't why isn't this really good pass rusher out there on third down? Oh, it's because they have another ten plus sack guy that can go in there and it's like the way you used to we we used to be back in the yeah, day. like in 07. like it yeah. it, it, it kind of is uh, re- reminiscent of that. So. Um, you know, don't, hey, Eagles, don't put your best pass rusher on Evan Neal. Put like your third best pass rusher on Evan Neal. Just don't put Hassan Reddick because Hassan Reddick eats first tackles that have the neat issues that Evan Neal has. Yeah. Um, so, man. So, man. So, man. I asked you this question last week. Okay. If we win, you were right. Outside of Daniel Jones, who's going to be the guy? Are you going to double up on Saquon or, or is it going to be somebody else? Are we talking offensively? It could be anybody. Anybody. All right, I got thick. It could even it. be Jamie Gillian if you want to get wild. Mm, get crazy. <laughs> Hopefully right, we're not right, punting. I gotta, you, I, gotta, I gotta give you a good answer. I gotta give you a good answer. All right, who are we talking about? Who's the breakout player in this game if the New York Giants win outside of Daniel Jones? If the Giants are gonna win this game. Carter Coughlin. Cam Brown. I'm gonna go with Dexter Lawrence. Hmm. Dude, and he was basically that in the last game. Like he is, a, he is a monster. You know, Jason Kelsey's a really good center. He's small. Like, and, and again, he's a great center. He works leverage well. Dex, you're an all pro. You're an all pro. Like you, he's an all pro center. You're an all pro de- nose tackle. Like that's that's going to be a battle. And the Giants' run game sucked all year long, but they were stacking the box before, right? Well, they've went to these light boxes, and you're like, the run game hasn't gotten, run defense hasn't gotten much worse. In fact, it's looked better at times. Now, it depends on what type of running offense they're playing. Well, it's because the defense was, the run defense was already just boomer bust on Dex and Leo. So now we're taking a, just, all right, let's take a guy out of the box because all that matters is those two guys, anyways. And it's kind of working where it's, you know, the passing games aren't going to be as efficient. So Dex has been a monster, man. And he had, I mean, he was like, we think about the pass rush stuff from this last game, and rightfully so. Him in the run game was nuts. Like, he was insane in the run game this past game. And Leo was good, too. But um, I th- I just think if de- if we're going to win this game, I think we're going to have to create some turnovers. No doubt about it. Like, that that's the way I look at that. I don't think this is a team we're going to be able to go up and down the field every time we get the ball. I think we're going to have to try to be able to create an extra possession or two. Yeah. And I, and I look at Dexter Lawrence as the type of guy – I think if you could disrupt Hurts, he's he can make mistakes. And I look at Dex Lawrence as the type of guy, if he could get that interior pressure, even if he doesn't get the sack, I think he could create turnover opportunities for this team. I definitely could see Jalen Hurts panicking a bit if there is pressure. That's much easier said than done. You watch Eagles tape every week, the guy's all day to throw. But if Dexter Lawrence could get interior pressure on this guy and we could seal the edges... I could see Hurts coughing up the ball a couple of times, and mm. that's why I said Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, the, the way the way to play Jalen Hurts is to we got to blitz him, and we got to send pressure. He's like, oh well, he can be. They have the receivers. Okay, well if you don't do that, he's going to sit there and take. He's going to take the easy throws all day long, and they will be there for him. So, I'd rather um, die trying than die by the death of a thousand cuts, like like Chris said. Pressure breaks pipes, as Wink Martindale said, as as, um, as he says. 
Chris, obviously everyone knows where to find you on YouTube. Uh, I, by the way, I keep on every time I look for your Twitter, I got to get myself in the habit. I've been typing D A Entertainer. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I changed change, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I changed it. To just I D- figured out how to do it after two years because I've D- been Entertainer. Watching. Well, you're not as bad as one of my dad's friends who his name is um, Rick Parento, and it's his name is on Facebook is my Rick name Parento. Um, so and and it, it's it's still the same. So. <laughs> Uh, that's why I have such a, a fondness for Chris Myrick. It's because my dad's friend, uh, Myrick named Parento. Mm. All right, Chris, everyone knows where to find you on YouTube, all that good stuff. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next Wednesday. Yeah, we definitely will. Right, we're, we're going to the NFC. Ch- Think about this real quick, guys. We are one win away from playing in a game to have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Stop. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Who would have thought Stop. That? I called it. No, uh, no, we're, 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 I'm ready to go though. Like, I, you're one of eight. You got a shot. You got Daniel you, Jones. You never know. That's why they got play a the shot. Games. You got a shot. All right, Chris. Thank you. All right, thank you. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in. I will kick your. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, we now welcome back onto the program. We said, hey, if we win, let's let's do it again. Let's run it back. Weiss, NYG Daily of the NYG Weekly Podcast of a lot of things. Weiss, you were in Minnesota. Was yes, it I as was. quiet as Nick Gates said? Uh, in the beginning, no. Uh, toward the end of the game, yeah. They got quiet. They got I really can't believe quiet. they went all out and like did put his picture on the on. That was a great picture. Board. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Is like they that's the thing. Like Minnesota, the fake niceness. Like they put an awesome picture of Nick Gates up there. They didn't like they yeah. could have found something like a little less. And, you know, flattering. Like they put like maybe his coolest picture ever on there, and and then he was shushing the crowd. I mean, it was it's why we love Nick Gates. It was it was great. He came onto the field and he 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 had his you know finger on his mouth telling people to shush. Like it was <laughs> it was great. It was great. And then I saw I saw the TV had him you know got a got a view of him shushing the crowd as he walked off the field. So he he, he walked onto the field the same way he walked off, telling the people of Minnesota shh, and that it's not loud enough. Oh, I it love wasn't. It. You were there, like it was the play. It was a, a the first Giants playoff win since Super Bowl forty six. Right. We want. We got. We got to talk about Daniel Jones and say everything about this Giants win. Um, walk us through the experience of a New York Giants playoff victory on the road in Scumbag, Minnesota. First of all, you flew out in the morning, which was extremely, extremely dangerous. Always choose Delta, and that's not an ad or anything like that. But Delta has always done good to me. All right, so good. I always go Delta. Yeah. All right, Delta. Um. Yeah, I flew out in the morning. Uh, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to pay two nights for a hotel. But anyways, um, it was a great experience. I mean, I, I was telling you know my brother in law who I traveled with. I said, you know, you you make a decision to go to these playoff games or go to a game in a different city. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going for the experience. Uh, you know, it's you know it's a nice stadium. You know, maybe my team will win. I mean, this trip for me checked all the boxes. I mean, it checked every single box. Great stadium. Great atmosphere, playoff game, you know, won the game, was a great game. Like it checked everything for me. And it was a great experience as a fan just to be there and to experience something like that. It was, it was awesome. And it was, look, uh, Minnesota Viking fans are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Oh, uh, Bobby. Um, yeah, I know Bobby has that thing. They seem that way. The amount of people that were shaking my hands after the game, you would think that I was a player on the team. Like, like they were coming, like people were coming up to, like a dude walked five rows uh, above me, came down before he was leaving, 
you know, and shook my hand. And was Let like, me shake your hand. I want to yeah. shake his hand. I, it was, it was, it was great. And <laughs> it was a great win. Great game. Great win. It was, everything was great about that trip. Um, loved it. What was your, like, I mean, you, I think, you know, you probably saw some of the stream highlights that, that we had and everybody was, everybody was freaking out. How many other Giants fans were there? Like I've, ne- I've only been to one away game in my life and that was the Andrew Thomas Bowl, aka I guess the Chase Young Bowl. But yeah. if you go to a Giants you went to the game Titans in game week one. I well, <laughs> I did go to the Titans game week one. This is a good point. Uh I can't believe I forgot about that. But even like it's even that game, tweet. there was a there was a lot of Giants fans there. And anytime you go to a game in Washington, there's a lot of Giants fans there. So oh, yeah. what what were you doing? Did you feel like just screaming, hooting, hollering, and doing everything and just being fine? Or did you feel like you had to hold it back? Like, what was what was just the vibe there in general? So I'm not really a trash talker. I don't like to trash talk. I was just uh, – you're so in the moment. You're watching your team you know, go down the field. But the, in terms of Giant fans, there was a good amount of Giant fans. I was walking to the stadium. Every time you turn the corner, you know, go Giants, or you saw, like, a group of Giants fans. There was one time I saw a group, like – it was at least 20 giant fans just walking down uh, to the stadium or walking to a bar or whatever. And I saw them, there was a couple people reached out to me. There was a couple of live uh, not, you know, watch parties uh, in some of these uh, bars in Minnesota. Um, it was a lot of giant fans. It was a lot of giant fans. You saw it at the stadium. There were chant. There were, there were times you would hear, you know, let's go giants. You know, there, it was, you know, giant fans travel. I, and I, I didn't think I would see as much as I saw. But they travel well, maybe on the television because the purple and the blue, you, gotta, yeah. you couldn't tell the difference. But there was there was a good amount of Giant fans there. And uh, with the Viking fans, like, here, here's what happened. I, I tell you guys a story. So I'm sitting there, and the guy two rows behind me is, you know, he's like, Darius Layton drops the pass. He's like, you know, here we go. This is our time, Kirk mm. Cousins. Going back to, you know, you're going back to New York. Well, I'm not, I wasn't going back to New York, but. You're going back to New York. You're going to be upset. Blah 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 blah. This is how we win games. And when he and when they lost, I I just said I was yelling out with a bunch of other Giant fans like, "Hell yeah, we just beat a good team, right? Thirteen wins." And he chucked the. Uh, there was like a pamphlet or a booklet sitting on each chair, each seat uh, where I was sitting, and he chucked it at me. And as soon as I turned around, before I could say something to him, the buddy that he was with almost tried to fight him for throwing that at me. So wow. it, was, it, was a, it was a weird experience. I kind of felt like I was in that movie, Get Out, you know, like where <laughs> everybody's super nice to you. You're like, wait a second, these people are not supposed to be this nice to me, but they, it was, it was, it was an odd experience. There was no like negative fan interaction yeah. that I had. I actually wanted to bring something up though. Cause you brought up the Darius Slayton drop Weiss and I saw yeah. your tweet on it. And I think we have both have similar viewpoints of Darius Slayton, but I, kind of view it from like the we like still and you're like you can't trust where are we at with as Giants fans with Darius Slayton because I think it's it's tough and because I think the Giants they need Darius Slayton more than any other wide receiver on this roster I really do like that speed cannot be replaced by anybody and you take away that speed and it just changes the way defenses play the offense and and they still had 88 yards on four catches but I also said like it seems like no matter what he does well, he's going to be def- defined by these big drops that he's had, whether it's the Washington tie, this game, you know, Washington last year, and there's there's been other big ones too. And it's and, and, and it's not like it's the one-offs. Like he has it. He's had a high drop rate the last two years. 
here's my thing with Darius Lane. I like Slayton. He's you know, he, he makes you know big time catches at times. You know, he's he's that speed guy. I'm with you, Bobby, that they need a receiver like Darius Slayton. But the problem is, and this is my rule with receivers, right? If I can't trust you to make a simple catch in a big moment, like everything else goes out the window, man. Like, I get it. I understand what you're saying. Like, they need a re- they need Darius Lane because of the skill set. But my counter to that is they need a receiver that has the skill set of a Darius Lane guy that has speed. But at the same time, he, he like you can't drop those kind of passes. You simply cannot do it. Like, if they would have lost that game. Just think about it. If they would have lost that game, that's what we point to. Of, oh, it's, because it's, of that it's drop. A, it's another game on the list of like the the slate right. drop in this game. It's that it's that eagle game from Thursday night football times a hundred. Yeah, it's like it's like when we talk about Evan Ingram, we have a list of like, well, this game, this game, this exactly. game. Like exactly. it just it's another one on the list for for Slayton, and he's had you know the, the Commanders games in both of the last couple of years has been other ones too. Um, yeah, that's what like I'm. The, I don't want to talk about the off season right now. But it's like if they do, if they aren't going to bring back Slayton, and keep, you know they're going to keep Hodgins anyways. They should, they'd be crazy to not keep Hodgins. Um, but it's like you got to replace him with speed and and someone who can consistently bring that speed because if you take his speed off the field, well Hodgins isn't as fun. Richie James right. is you know Richie James probably does some of the similar things, but even then Richie James is not a, a game breaking player. Or Slayton again, like as much as he had a drop, he had eighty eight yards on four catches and. I, we come away from these games, and it's been a multiple times this year. We're talking about Hodgins, but it's like Slayton had the same amount of yards, you know. Yeah, um, Slayton's the most talented wide receiver on the team, but it's just the, it's the such drops a frustrating just thing suck. that like we, it's yeah, it's, we truly need him, but it's like it's like like you said, it's hard to trust him too, you know. And I think he would be involved. I think he'd be getting if there was more trust in him. I think he might be getting eight nine targets a game, um, but you know there there is some trust issues there. Yeah. We asked you we before I keep on saying we're going to talk about Daniel Jones. We asked you last week if there who what one player outside of Daniel Jones do you think we're going to be talking about after the game? Who's that player? I think it was Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Is that what I said? Well, yeah, but I'm saying who like the games happen. Who who do you think okay. is like that one player now? Listen, I've been hard on this guy for a year. Uh Dexter Lawrence is a he is a game-changing, game-altering player. And you rarely see those at the position that he plays. Um, so for me, what he did on that final drive, he was a problem. And I and I and and people were talking about, oh, the Vikings got Garrett Bradbury back. This is big for them. And I was just telling people, look, Garrett Bradbury, James Bradbury, Phil Bradbury. There was nobody else going <laughs> to block Dexter Lawrence. Um, he is a game changing, game altering player, and he he can wreck a game, um, and he can do things for you. And on that final drive, he took it upon himself, like we're not losing this game. And the, the ref and the passer call, I mean, but BS. And I don't want to. I, I hate talking about the officials all the time, but you saw just how dominant he was throughout the game. And I think he, there a big reason why the Vikings didn't run the ball as much as they did especially in the second half, um, is because of Dexter Lawrence. He, he He's a t- awesome, awesome player. And I th- he's not – look, Aaron Donald's one of the greatest defensive players of all time, but the season that he's having this year is an Aaron Donald-level season, in my opinion. You know, like 
this season is what you see from Aaron Donald over a six over his career, and that that's saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, how many plays d- did does an offense run every single game? What 30, 40, 40 or around forty, maybe fifty? I clipped up thirteen Dexter Lawrence plays where he had an impact on kind of the way the play could have gone or the or the way the play did go actually within itself too. 13, 13 plays where I fit where it was worthy of putting it on a screen and putting it in a in kind of a highlight reel. 13 plays a minute and 47 seconds for one game. <laughs> for one game and that's a playoff game. Four QB hits which was the second uh you know second highest of this season for for Dexter Lawrence. So just in, in insane stuff man. It's dominance. It's dominance on a down in down in down out basis. The big thing is, for his size, the amount of snaps that he plays, that's incredible. Yes. You don't see a guy that big play that many snaps. No. He is, he has, he has become one of the best defensive players in football right before our eyes. Yeah, who would have thought? We said Andre Patterson was like our favorite position coach hire, and man, that has proven oh, yeah. to be true. Like that guy just knows how to get into a D lineman's head and get the most out of him, and then obviously moving him the nose tackle. Like you said, I mean, like we all talk about the last drive too, but like even in the run game, like, you know, that was our ask for is like up front, just get their run game off schedule. We're not asking you to totally shut them down the two, two and a half yards per carry. That's, that's asking too much with the Giants linebackers on the roster, but just get them off schedule. And that's what Dex did too. Leo did too. Leo had an underrated game. um, Yeah. Despite a a couple like missed on tackles. Yeah. It's Leonard Williams. It's like he had those missed tackles, but. You know, I was watching. It's like you are. That, he was being such a good compliment to Dexter Lawrence. So it's another one of those players that just because of the price tag, it like you know, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Weiss, you mentioned about Dexter Lawrence's snap shares, and I actually never really cared to like look at these percentages and really like uh, appreciate it. There are games this year where Dexter Lawrence has played ninety four percent, ninety percent, ninety seven percent, eighty six percent, ninety one percent, eighty eight percent, eighty four, ninety one. 67% against Indy, and, and that was still even in a blowout. The percentage of snaps that he played in this wild card game was 89% 51 snaps. So out of 51 snaps, there were 13, 14 plays that he made like a significant, big-time, game-changing impact on. Insane. All right, let's talk about Danny Dimes now. Oh, uh, wait Danny a was diamond. Like, a perfect game. You know, we need it again, Daniel. Like, like you, he, there was, you know, regardless of what your opinions are on Daniel Jones, it's like I, I just knew like this guy's gonna ball out in this game. Even if he makes a mistake or two, he's gonna ball out. He's gonna show up to play. And my gosh, he was playing with a swagger. Like, you know, the pump fake, you know, five yards down the field on the run. You know, like, and and you look at it, it's like, oh, he had seventeen carries for seventy eight yards. He really had like thirteen for eighty two because there was four kneel downs. Right. Right. Um. Like he was just, he had just total control of this offense. And it was, I'll say, since the first couple weeks of the season, the most wide open that Dable and Kafka made the offense. Obviously, Vikings defense isn't as good as their record is. But man, I mean, he was diamond and he, every, every play was perfect, essentially. Uh, you know, the, the big thing with, first of all, I don't, I don't pay no mind to people who try to discredit Daniel Jones anymore. I just, I just don't do it. It's just not worth my time. But he was magnificent. He was he was marvelous. This is you watch quarterbacks in their first career playoff game. Uh, it did, typically does not go well for these young quarterbacks. It didn't go well for Trevor Lawrence in the first half either before he got it going. Daniel Jones 
to me, what makes it what makes him so special is the mental toughness. He's been through a lot in his fucking career. Like we know he's been through a lot. And for him to have that moment. And the thing is, Bobby is like, like we've seen Daniel have these big statistical games, but the team loses. Like that first one in Minnesota, right? Like he had a great game, but they lost. To me, this one was like, it was, he had a great statistical game. He had a game-winning drive. He made some big-time throws. And more importantly, he won the game. And it was a playoff game. Like, that's that's what made this so special. Is in his first career playoff game, he checked all those boxes. He created another box, and he checked that too. And he was just – he was he was awesome. You guys asked me last week, well, can he lose money? And I told you the only thing he can do is make himself more money. Daniel Jones is going to play himself into a really significant contract. Yeah. And – the more he keeps winning, the, the, the more it's going to be. And he's now, I think if you go the second half of the season, he's been the Giants' most, the Giants' best player offensively. Um, and, and they've sort of tailored the offense around him. And, and I want to ask you guys something because I, to me, when people say they, he finally has great coaching and that's why he's excelling, I, I don't limit it to that. Like I think he's gotten better, uh, more confident, and then some of the intangible stuff with playing quarterback, like that has gotten better with him. Like, I don't think you can just simplify his success this season to, oh, well, he just finally had, like Jason Garrett's not calling plays. Yeah, well, it, when we say that, it's not like, oh, he was so horrible and then this coaching totally changed him. It was like he was in an offense that was actively holding him and and everyone back besides like Sterling Shepard and Andrew Thomas. That offense was holding everybody. And you know what? Probably Shepard too. Shepard probably looks better not under Jason Garrett, but they were, it was actively holding them back and there were personnel issues too. Right. But I always value offensive court, offensive coordinator to me is more important than, than personnel issues. Like, which would you rather have bad at? I'd rather have bad personnel than bad offensive coordinator. Um, and like, he like, so part of coaching is like letting him improvise, right? Like where, DJ scrambling in the past, like, oh, it's like he'd always scrambled to run. Well, guess what? There was a bunch of stationary routes on the offense. So who is he going to throw to? Like, the the eight-yard curl ain't, isn't going to break open, my friends. Um, right. You know, so, and there, the coaching has put an emphasis on him, which never happened before, of freestyle a little more with, with your game outside the pocket, where we know that Jason Garrett was a very, like, quick timing offense, bat, 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 throw the ball read one player, throw the ball type thing. And then Pat Shermer, who I don't hate Pat Shermer like a lot of people do. Pat Shermer was like seven-step drop, fucking chuck it down the field <laughs> type type right. offense where this is like, hey, if you don't like what you see, go, go and freestyle a little bit. And the last two years, there's been a coaching staff that has coached and schemed up an offense afraid of turning over the ball. This offense... It's not like Pat Shermer where it's just chuck it down the field, chuck it down the field, which that's a little bit what I thought that we were going to see. We're seeing conservative level, like the advanced numbers, like the the average intended air yards. We're seeing like Jason Garrett level of average intended air yard numbers, but still it's with within sustaining drives. It's within being effective and efficient inside the red zone. And it's the good coaching and yards after the catch. We saw a shit ton of that this past game, right? But the main thing, and I, you know, this Paul Schwartz article that he put out a couple weeks ago has really stuck with me because Daniel about Jones. About Dave Gettleman? No, not about Dave Gettleman. Um, it, it might, I, I think, I think it was Paul Schwartz where you know he actually got like a substance of Daniel Jones quote where he talked about 
the approach at which he, at which he's taken at playing quarterback this year and recognizing the value of not just not turning over the ball, but sustaining drives, staying on schedule, keeping an offense on schedule and keeping, you know, running your, your kind of, your kind of menu of plays. And we've seen it this year where Daniel Jones, even though Daniel Jones, I don't think Daniel Jones has had a huge turnover problem since his rookie season. I think that's just a rookie. It's a rookie year narrative that has kind of stayed with him, but still his interception rate was 2.2% in 2020. Yeah. 2000, 2021, it was 1.9%, which a lot of quarterbacks, if you're, you know, if you're around that 1.9% rate of throwing interceptions, that's like, all right, Daniel Jones, his interception rate is 1.1 through the regular season. Didn't throw another interception. So I guarantee it. I think it's, it has to be around 1% interception rate of one out of every hundred pass attempts, only throwing an interception and one or two of them probably wasn't even his fault this year. Think of David Sills falling down. So that's really the biggest thing with Daniel Jones is, you know, we, we saw the kind of insane bananas throw to Isaiah Hodgins on the sideline. There hasn't been a ton of those throws this year where it's like, oh my God, look at this Daniel Jones throw, but he's right. kept the offense on schedule. He's not turned over the ball. And at the end of the day, this offense is much better and it's producing better because he's complimented the great coaching that he's received. Yeah, the, the the turnover thing should have died at the very beginning of 2021. Like, remember the Bucks Monday Night Football game 2020? You know uh, where they almost won. He hasn't had the disaster game. That that's honestly been also the but, biggest difference too in that year because the beginning of 2020 was his worst football. Like it was, he had the Pat Shermer mindset and the Jason Garrett offense, and it was just it was bad. Like it was flat out bad. Um, he didn't throw. He had thrown two interceptions from. Week eight of 2020 to week six of 2021. You all know what those two were? Uh, drop uh, everything and popping it up versus the Cowboys and the Hail Mary versus the Saints. Like those are, you know, so the turnover thing has should have died long ago. Now, do we want to start taking more shots down the field? Absolutely. But that's where, and the Burt Coleman video irks me a little bit. It's like, Burt? yeah, you can find a play here or there, you gotta stop but they're not running these concepts like other teams do. Because they don't have the dudes to do it. And I still think they should because you because safeties are gonna make mistakes. Corners are gonna make mistakes in those guys. So I think there should be a little more aggression in this office. And we saw it this past week, but there's been games this year where I think there should be more aggressiveness in the drop back. But it's like, well, they're not really running these concepts uh to begin with because they don't have like a guy that can trust to go out there and win, right? Like, you know, like even last year they did. Like last year Galladay was a much better player than he was this year. Like this, you know, and, th and they should have trusted him in that. You know, this year, I, uh, the hip surgery or what? Like he just came in, you know, his he can't get so, off the line of scrimmage anymore. Weiss, do you know who uh, who Burt Coleman is? Yeah. Not, a, not, not, unfortunately I do. I wish I didn't. <laughs> well, his, his, his of, name, his name is Brett, not Burt. It's because of people like Bobby who constantly put his stuff on my timeline. I have no choice. <laughs> See, I ignored it for a while. And then he said, what irked me was the, well, the they do they're on average for 250 rushing yards. Like, yeah, who led the Giants in rushing by 25 yards? Can we that's, can we figure out that? That's the most impressive thing about for me from Sunday is the 17 rushes for 78 yards. Like it's dynamic, Danny, to me. Like that they just give them the ball. And, and by the way, seeing him in person, I've seen him a couple times in person. Fast, he is, so much faster a, in person. Yes, and but he's a big motherfucker. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. excuse my language. He is huge. I mean, I, I was watching him warming up, and I was drooling seeing how big this guy is. Mm. Like, he is fantastic. And this Dro game, drool, to me, Drooling over that Danny Dimes, huh? Drooling hey over. Hey, man, listen, I, 
the cop the confidence level, excuse me, the confidence level that I have with this quarterback is skyrocketing right now. They they can win a lot of games with him. He's his ability to just compartmentalize the bad stuff and his his mental toughness and the fortitude and just the way he plays and how he can run around and he he lowers his shoulders when he sees a DB that's six one. He's like, there's no way I'm sliding here. This is a a player that you you know you don't you don't see guys take this kind of leap in year four. Um, this is typically that year two leap, but I, I've just been so impressed with Daniel Jones. He's he's had he's had a rough four years here in Well, New I think York. he would have taken that jump if it wasn't for a war criminal. That's anyway, the thing. That, that's um, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, what's the what's the? It, this is one of my favorite stats of the entire season that I learned, and it was when you had Warren Sharp on your podcast. So right. what what's the stat that I'm thinking of? What is the most efficient play in football? It, it it's connected to Daniel Jones and the quarterback running. Quarterback drops his nuts and does the quarterback draw. No, well when he when he drops back to pass and yes. then the quarterback chooses to run. That is the most efficient right. play in football and I learned that Warren Sharp on the NYG Weekly podcast. How do you like that? And it, and, and it helps when the guy is 6'5", 230 and can run over you know the defense. Daniel and Jones has no is, fear in his brain. Like no, no. Like that was the biggest worry coming out of twenty nineteen. It's like okay, this is fun, but like maybe don't like just get wrecked play after play while you're throwing the ball down the field. And, and I and I promise you, those all twenty two throws that get shared on social media, that's gonna come as the skill position players get better. Mm-hmm. He can make some of those wild throws. There was a fly route to Darius Slayton that again Slayton should have caught it. I'm, I'm not. I don't care that the, the pass is broken up. You need to catch that ball. I think it was a free play, or they were trying to hurry it up. So it was a hurry up. Ap- it was it was the second best throw of the game after the first best throw of the game that throw to Hawks. Right. I, I think they were trying to hurry it up because they didn't want Minnesota challenging the play before. Yeah, and he threw a beautiful fly route, and I'm like, yeah, he threw it. Slayton should have caught that pass. And those type of throws are going to come as his skill players get better. Mm. Uh, but this is dynamic, Danny. Man, that's what he is, in my opinion. Oh yeah, you have a real wide receiver one. That's that's a touchdown oh, right there. Easily, easily. And that's like best throw of the whole play, like you know, playoff weekend. If 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 you have a wide receiver one out there. All right, man. Uh, one, you know, everyone go check out the NYG Weekly podcast. Follow NYG Daily. Uh, we were on the podcast last week, having a good time. Uh, can, can I give a it? quick shout out before I go? All right, shout out to Weiss's mom, Kenny Galladay too. Oh, dude. So at our watch party, I'm going to ask you, are you going to come to the watch party? At our watch party, that was the most fired up after I was after one single play. And I turned into Me like a, I turned into a bad human being during those things. And the Kenny Galladay is like a, like that just, that just oh my fired God. me up more than anything. Wait, wait. So I'm looking at something right now that Seth Walder just put out. I signed it to my ESPN Plus account. We're talking about Daniel Jones. He put out a... A, I want to get this right. He put out a ranking NFL's top 100 most valuable players of the 2022 season. Well, I guess valuable. It has analytics in it. But Andrew Thomas, 27. Dexter Lawrence, 31. 48. Daniel Jones. Dude, it, Justin, when we do our award show at the end of the year, I'm going to be mad that I vote for Andrew Thomas because I want to vote for Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, those are the only three giants in the top 100. I'm tweeting it out now from the Talking Giants account. All right. All right. Well, are you coming to our watch party or what, man? Uh, 70% uh, 
I am in. I got to see how I feel, man. In okay. case people didn't know, I came down with the COVID. So mm. trying to overcome this, uh, feeling better. But we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I definitely want to come out and support. You know how much I love you guys. Of course, we appreciate we love you, you as too. always. And you, let's hey, let's run it back next week. Let's run it back next Absol- week for a conference absolutely. championship game. Absolutely. Thank, thanks for jumping on with us. Peace. All right. Thank you to Chris the Entertainer and NYG Daily Weiss for coming on. Uh, looking forward to talking to those guys next week after a win. Um, Justin, preview pod on Friday. Very excited for it. Let's win some games. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we didn't talk a lot of game plan stuff and approach stuff during this show. So that means you got to catch the preview pod. You got to check it out. I think, Bobby Skinner, you're flying up Thursday morning. So we'll be in person again for it. What are we doing about Danny King? We got to talk about it. We'll plan it yeah, out. He'll be just there. Hope the warehouse internet doesn't suck or I will lose my mind. Mm, we'll be there. He'll be there. We'll all be there and we'll all be hanging out talking about how we're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday with a preview pod. Let's win some games. Should I change the outro to let's win some games and let's go big blue? No, no. You're a big tradition guy. Stick with it. Let's add to it. Let's win some games. And until then. I was going to say, let's win some games. Oh, I do the until then. All right. Well, let's just win some damn games. We'll see you Friday. And until then, let's go big blue.